Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. to Daylight Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs. It's nice to hear my own theme music for once. I've been doing a lot of pods on Rotoviz lately and haven't really had a lot of extra time to do my own pod. So it's kind of nice to be home. And uh, the, the mini best ball series, the last episode I did is out today. I interview Mike Beers, Jen Ryan, and Rumford Johnny on things that they learned during the 2017 best ball season, and then I answer the same questions myself, so you might want to check that out. Uh, Tonight, I am back, and I'm not introducing, but interviewing Dominic Petrillo. He is um, a fantasy analyst. And he is a really good guy. And he's also coping with being blind. So I thought it would be really interesting to get on and give him some airtime and learn about him. And so welcome to the show, Dominic. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. No worries. Tell everyone how they can find you on Twitter and a little bit about... um, you know, who you're writing for. Oh, yeah, I'm writing for FantasyHotRead.com. I'm their lead fantasy analyst and, I'm, you know, the lead writer there. And you can find me on Twitter at EnvisionFF. Cool. So uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, how old you are, where you're from. Uh, I, I wasn't supposed to ask simple questions like that on the Rotoviz pod. It was more get into the information, which was cool. I like doing it that way. But I also, you know, on my pod, I like getting a little bit of backstory on people. Oh, yeah, for sure. I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs in Montgomery County. Eagles I'm the Eagles and the Saints fan. Yep. The podcast is over. <laughs> Well, you know, Continue. you have to have some good. I mean, I was down in Atlantic City one time wearing a Red Sox T-shirt playing craps, and I was actually high-fiving the guy in a Yankee shirt. So, you know, sometimes you have to go with the flow. But, yeah, I'm, I'll be 37 actually in uh, three days. And, you know, I went blind about five years ago due to complications from diabetes. Well, that that sucks. Um was it something that you expected or were fearful of? Uh, how long were you dealing with diabetes? And, you know, tell us a little bit more on that because uh, that that's, that's uh, I, I, you don't hear, you know, you hear about leg problems with diabetes, but you really don't hear about going blind. 
Yeah, I've actually had the leg problems as well. I'm actually uh, missing a little bit of uh, my left foot uh, from diabetes as well. And I got diabetes. I was diagnosed right before I turned 17, about a month before I turned 17. I had it for about 15 years before it took my sight. It caused me to get detached retinas in both eyes, which they say when you get one detached retina, you usually get it in both eyes, but not at the same time, which mine happened to be at the same time. And it was called by something called diabetic retinopathy, which just basically kills the nerve endings in your eye and keeps you from seeing. Since nerves are not renewable, you know, there's no way for me to get my sight back unless they come up with some new information over over the future, which hopefully they will. But I don't even know if I'd get my sight back if I, you know, if they came up with it, I don't know if I would want to get my sight back or not. And And, and why is that? Well, just... To try and make a long story short, uh, since I've been a young kid, seven, eight, nine years old, I've had, I wouldn't call it a death wish, but I've had a premonition that I was going to be dead by the time I was 40. So I never really cared about taking care of myself or anything. I just thought, you know, I'd be dead, so it doesn't matter what I do in my life. So when I got diabetes, instead of being upset about it, the first thing I thought was, well, this is just how, you know, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die from diabetes. And then when I became 32, and that's when I lost my eyesight. You know, that's when I kind of realized, well, you know, I should have, you know, this should have killed me with all the stuff that I'm doing to myself, not taking care of myself, not even taking medications for it for pretty much all those 15 years. And I should be dead from it. But instead of, you know, doing that, for some reason, you know, God just took my eyesight. So he must have a reason for me to still be here. So that's why I kind of look at it as, as a blessing now, because instead of being dead, I'm still alive. I'm just blind. So I try and look at you know, every day new, and it shows who your real friends are, because I actually had a friend of me say, well, I'm not going to be friends with you, because I'm not going to deal with your situation. That's, uh, that's, that's unfortunate. That's, that's quite unfortunate. So tell me a little bit more about this death premonition. Um, I think that that's something that's pretty, that's worth uh, delving into a little bit further. Yeah. And like I said, I don't even know if it was a premonition. It's just that, I don't know, I guess I've always had depression and I, and I still do suffer from depression. I mean, I'm not on medication for it, but I do have times of depression because obviously it's, even though I think of it as a blessing, there are still days where it's hard to be blind, but just my whole life, even growing up, you know, teachers would call my mom and say, you know, he might need to go to therapy and stuff because they would hear me saying, well, I don't care if I live or die, you know, and I wasn't saying I was going to end my life or anything, but I would just say, well, it doesn't matter. I don't care if I live or die or not. So it was just always in the back of my head for some reason, like I said, since I was about 10 years old or so that for some reason I would be dead by the age of 40. So I never thought I would make my 40th birthday anyway, but now since it just, you know, made me go blind, it didn't kill me. That's when I start kind of like a no pun intended, but like a light went on in my head and said, well, Obviously, you're here for something, so you're you're going to make it to 40. So now I've really been trying to take care of myself and take the medications as you know as much as I can and everything, and controlling my diabetes as much as possible so that I can be here for the long term. You know, I think the reason I am here is you know, sorry, God. No, no, go finish. I was going to say I think the reason that I am here is to be able to get my story out there to to people who maybe may not have gone blind from diabetes, but who are diabetic and feel like it 
that, you know, their life's over or not even diabetes, but whether people with depression or any disease, they can see that somebody that has gone through what I have and has gone blind and, you know, lost part of my foot and has like pretty much every symptom that you can get from diabetes and is still trying to do it. So if I can get my story out there and it helps one person, then that's what I'm trying to do. Well, that, <clears throat> that's good. And I, I think it, you can also be an advocate for people who suffer with depression as well as, you know, hearing, I, I hate using this term this way, but hearing unfortunate voices or thoughts. And I think we all, to one extent or another, another have to deal with that, you know, processing information in our head. And those negative voices, look at, look at the, the, the crazy ride that they took you on. Yeah, it was. It definitely was a crazy ride. You know, there would be nights when I was driving home from work because I'd have to. You, know, you live in the Philadelphia area, so you know, you know, two ninety five. I would. Be I driving live in the Lehigh Valley area. I'll have you know. <laughs> well, that's all right. You're close enough. You know what? You know, two ninety five <laughs> and the ninety five. I'm just teasing. Yeah, but uh, I know. But yeah, I used to drive home on two ninety five from Trenton to Burlington. And, you know, I'd be driving in the left-hand lane going under the underpasses and, you know, more than once, and, you know, I hate to admit it, but it's true, more than once I would think, you know, nobody's in the car with me. I wouldn't be hurting anybody else if I wanted to right now. You know, I'm going 70. I can just swerve right into this, you know, pillar that's holding the overpass up and, you know, that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, look, I – obviously the blindness is something that you can, you know – but this other this other issue is something that I struggled with um, at times when I was younger, before and even at times after I became a born again Christian, and you know I, I I definitely think that you know managing I hate to say the voices in your head because it's not just you know but it's really thought control right being able to manage the thoughts that come to you and be able to process them and have a, an outlet, you know, like for me, it's prayer, right? I I get crazy thoughts. I go through crazy stuff at times still, but now I know how to, how to deal with them and to process them. I don't hide from them and I certainly don't embrace them anymore. And, you know, my story's not as extreme as yours, but then again, I didn't have a disease to ignore when I was younger, but back when I was doing a lot of drugs in my late teens and <clears throat> early twenties, I definitely had a death wish in my own way because I didn't feel like I was loved. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes when you're young and powerless, things happen or maybe you just come out of the box that way. It's hard to say. I, I, I don't know that you can just um, wrap it up in one neat bow because everyone is different. But I, I, I think that, you know, people understanding that there, there's a way to get through depression and a way to deal with having negative thoughts um, and being, you know, that being self-destructive, it really does only hurt yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I can understand you hear a lot of these stories about, you know, different people, 
you know, like you hear a story, like the old Dexter Manley story about how he used to have to, you know, sleep in closets and, you know, getting beaten. And, you know, you hear other stories about other people that go through different abuses and stuff growing up. You know, none of that was ever me. You know, I had, you know, my family life was never like that. I always had, you know, a place to live. I always had supportive parents and relatives and grandparents, not really when it came to the, you know, depression struggles, because they never, you know, knew about that stuff, but it was, but it was never a bad, you know, relationship with anybody in my life. So I never had any of those struggles like a lot of people do. So in that sense, you know, I definitely don't think that it's always environment. Because like I said, in my case, it wasn't environment. I had all the, you know, the things that I needed in life and wanted in life pretty much, you know, going on vacations to Canada every year and, you know, all that kind of stuff that a lot of people don't have. So I, it can be just right out of the box for some people. Other people, it can be environmental. So like you said, there's no, you know, bow that it, you can say it's 100% this or 100% that for everybody. You know, one that's one thing with me is I'm lucky that, yes, I, I do drink, but I drink maybe, you know, once every couple months. If that, I'll just have a couple beers. And I've never done any type of drug in my entire life, including, you know, pot or anything. So I never had to deal with that either. Yeah, ultimately it doesn't, you know, ultimately it, it ends up that people who write and make money and in, in in the health industry, it matters to them. But to, to someone suffering with depression, it really doesn't matter why you're depressed. It's ultimately it's just that you are right. And, and learning exactly. to deal with it and finding a, a healthier outlet for it and being able to love yourself, um, you know, it, it, it's a challenge for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it definitely can be. I mean, you know, you see all these rich people and you think, oh, why? what do they have to be depressed about? But, you know, everything, everybody has things in their lives that they feel like they can't control or and sometimes they, they can't control them and, it just, it gets to them a lot sometimes, you know, people think that people that never have these issues are the strong ones. And that's not always the case. You know, sometimes the public persona is totally different than what they're really going through in their mindset. You know, I always say that I like to think of my life as, you know, like the song tears of a clown. I always act, you know, jo not jolly. Cause I'm not a, you know, bubbly personality, but I always crack jokes and things like that. And, always try and support people and show people the best of me in public. But when I'm by myself in the house, you know, it's emotional crying. It's not necessarily physical crying because for some reason, part of my blindness is I can't really cry anymore. I don't know if my tear ducts don't work or what, but I haven't really been able to cry since I went blind. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's another uh, interesting uh, <laughs> dilemma, but uh you know, I, uh, you know, the Bible talks about sometimes when you pray that there, there's sighs that go deeper than words, and, and you certainly can access your emotions that way. It's not all about the physical manifestation of tears. Um, let's segue into uh, things that I think our audience is also going to obviously be interested in, which is fantasy football. Tell us how, you know, you, you end up going blind and now, you know, it's five years later. Why don't you segue for us a little bit and give people a sense of, 
you know, what happened over the last five years in your life, Dominic? Well, yeah, when I went blind, I went blind, you know, November 19, 2012 was the day I consider myself going blind because that's the last day I showed up at work and just couldn't see the computer screen or anything anymore. So my sister came and picked me up and I was never able to go back again. And I had my first eye surgery a month, less than a month later. And, you know, ever since then, I've, I was just sitting at home for three and a half years being really depressed and upset about not being able to do anything, just sitting at home, watching TV for, you know, 18 hours a day and just sleeping the rest of the time and hating my life and everything. So I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something. I've always loved sports and I've always been told that I should do something in sports. And I've always loved writing, even though I'm not the greatest writer or anything. So, and I started listening to a lot of podcasts, which I never did before. And, you know, it's funny to say, but a lot of it came from uh, Matt Harmon's Backyard Banter podcast. I listened to a lot of his back episodes and a lot of the newer episodes as they came out. And a lot of, some of them that really got to me, you know, was Justin Lanero, who's still, you know, one of my best friend in the industry. And after I heard his episode, I reached out to him on Twitter and explained, you know, the story like I have been doing here. And he put a post out, we talked on the phone and everything, and he put a post out on Twitter saying that, you know, I was looking for, to get into writing and everything in fantasy football. And I, I got a couple that. of, text, I, I retweeted yeah, I got that. a couple of, yeah, and I got a couple of texts back from uh, Andrew Ferris. At the time, he was at a different website. Now he's with uh, he's with me and uh, Adam Inman at fantasyhotread.com. And he said to send over some stuff, so I did. And I started, you know, writing with him. And then when they switched sites, they asked me to come with them. And that's how I ended up with fantasyhotread.com, you know, from the floor up. And I'm hoping to, you know, keep moving up from here. Absolutely. And uh, I'm really glad that you're here talking to me um this is definitely one of my favorite podcasts so far uh let's uh let's uh go back a little bit and uh talk about you said you watch tv are you 100 percent blind yeah that you'll notice a lot of even in the blind community they say you know they say it's nice to see you again things like that it's just because it's basically nomenclature. So everybody knows that saying. So they just say, hey, well, nice to see you as well, even though, but yes, I am a hundred percent blind. So okay. After, after each surgery, I got a little bit worse. So if I'm in a room that's dark and there's no windows and somebody turns on a bright light, I can kind of tell that they turn the light on out of my left eye. But other than that, I can't see light. Like I can go outside and on a bright and sunny day and I, I would think it's midnight. I can't, tell the difference if the light's already on or whatever. Uh, okay. So when you say you're watching TV, it means you're listening. What kind of tools do you use to be able to function and write? Um, you know, I'm not familiar with Braille, but, um, you know, what, what kind of setup that yet do you have that allows you to, to function with the disability? Well, yeah, a lot of the people that are blind, they do Braille, and there there are actually just they call them Braille displays where it'll actually put it's basically hooked up through a USB port on your computer, and then anything that's on the screen will basically pop up almost like 3D on the Braille display, so you can feel it with your fingers and read it. I'm not good enough at Braille to do that, 
So I actually use what's called JAWS, and it's a software that actually speaks everything on the screen to me and basically allows me to do everything on the screen that you can do, only I can't do it with the mouse, so I have to do it with shortcut keys. Like if I want to click on the link somewhere, I have to, you know, I hit insert F7 to create the links list, find the link that I want to click on and hit enter, and that's basically just like clicking the mouse on that link so I can go to that page. Okay. And uh, obviously, uh, you have to be really good at keyboard placement. Taught on a regular keyboard, even though I use a laptop now, and they're set up a little differently. So I went out myself when I bought my laptop, and I bought like a just a cheap, you know, like a $9 regular keyboard with a USB to hook into my laptop. So I use a regular keyboard because I know where all the button placements are on it. And then I put a couple dots on like little rubber dots on a couple of the keys. So I know when I line my fingers up on those dots, I know where all the keys are from those faces. Gotcha. Um, well, you know, I remember retweeting that um, Justin Lanero tweet. It wasn't all that long ago. How long have you been writing with these guys? Just since April is when I started really getting out there. I, I listened to uh, Justin's podcast. Uh, when it came out in, I believe it was March or April. And after I listened to it, I immediately contacted him. And, you know, we've been in contact ever since. And I've, you know, been able to network with a lot of other people as well, like yourself. And I talk with Matt Harmon quite a bit and also Adam Rank and Scott Fish and uh, Rumford Johnny I talk to quite a bit. And uh, Steph and I I talk to some. And Ben Cummins is probably who I talk to the most right now. Well, he, he leaves you. You don't know whether you're Cummins or going. Sorry. No, sorry. I always got to throw in one bad pun every episode. It's a requirement. Uh, so um, <laughs> tell us about some of the articles that you've written. I've written some about when Brandon Cooks got traded to uh, New England. I did the you know an article called The Cooks Effect. I've started a column on the fancy hot read called tunnel vision, which is, you know, what we're calling my, my weekly article where I've written anything from, you know, who the real Brown to have in Arizona is, whether it be, you know, Jaron Brown or John Brown. I've done some uh, draft, uh, draft darts, like in different rounds, who to take over others who are going in the same round and things like that. I've done quite a few. I did just did one on the Edelman injury. I did a, you know, bold predictions article that's going to be coming out soon, which is actually, you know, some of the players that we'll probably talk about later I have in my bold predictions that I love this year. And, you know, just and anything they've asked me to, and I'm also, you know, talking to the other writers to set them up on what kind of articles they can do and everything like that. And some, you know, in charge of getting the other writers to do their articles also on the website. That's awesome. I, uh, you know, I with my bad sense of humor, I, instead of tunnel vision, I might have called my article of if if I was in your place, the blind leading the blind. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, to each I his own. I was thinking something like that. Yeah. Well, I was thinking. Well, something you know, like it's that funny too, because you go to you go to your, uh, your 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 Twitter page and it's three blind mice, which is pretty funny, making fun of. You know the the situation, and 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 laughter is good for the soul. Absolutely. 
like so, Jimmy Valvano uh, said in his SB speech, you know, if you laugh, you cry, and you, you know, talk, spend time in thought every day, you have a hell of a life. Did you say albino? No, <laughs> Jimmy Valvano. Oh, Jim Valvano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Well, it's funny because my 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 best friend is uh, uh, legally blind. I mean, it's amazing what he can do while being legally blind. He can't drive, mm-hmm. and he's also albino. So, uh, you know, this is uh, it, 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 he's so amazing. I don't even consider him blind. And it's there's times when you're like, oh yeah, that's right. He 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 doesn't see that very well. I mean, he's even really good at uh, ping pong. He, I mean, we play and 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 he he beats me more than I beat him. So, um, you know, I, I I definitely have a little bit of a connection there. So um, let's give the people a little bit of information. Um, who do you uh, do you do any best ball leagues? Um, actually, I've never done best ball leagues before until this year. I actually am in the Drafting with Giants best ball league that Andy Singleton is running. I'm still drafting that, and I'm actually doing my second best ball league right now. I'm in a draft for the for, with Scott Fish for his um, Bull Rush podcast. Listener league is a best ball league, but other than that, I've never done best ball leagues. When we get to uh, next year, you gotta you gotta ping me, and I'll try and get you in some. Yeah, sounds that sounds great. They seem, you know, they seem pretty fun. You don't have to worry about your lineups and stuff. So, well, I think all of us have who who love fantasy football have at one time or another enjoyed drafting so much that we join more leagues than we can really handle. And you know, best ball allows you to have that fun of drafting and challenging yourself without, you know, I call it the one night stand of fantasy football. It's it's all the fun without any of the commitment. Absolutely. Just like so, I know what uh, you're talking about. Cause I, go ahead. No, I was going to say I know what you're talking about because I've actually – I'm a fountain of useless knowledge, and one of the facts that I do know is that the uh, singer Meatloaf, he actually participates in about 60 redraft leagues every year. I did not know that. Yep. <laughs> I – uh I, I don't know how people do that, but then people look at me and say, you did 150 best ball leagues. Are you out of your mind? So um, <clears throat> how uh, how many redraft leagues are you in? Uh, right now, I believe I'm in four. I do one for my uh, with my sister. She has a work league that she asked me to help be part of because nobody else in her work really knows football because a lot of she wanted to get an all women's league and she couldn't. So she just got a bunch of people from work and they're not really football players. So I do that one and I'm in a family league and I'm still in a, a league with my uh, former boss from my last job. We do a league as well. And I was in another family league, but that one folded this year. So right now I do three redraft leagues. Plus I'm doing these two best ball leagues. Plus I'm in the Scott fish bowl this year. So that's, that's the best, but that's not a best ball, but you know, I'm in that league as well this year. What what division are you in in the Scott Fishbowl? I am in the uh, Tigger. Well, you know, the wonderful thing about that the... league is that there's only one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and Tiggers are a wonderful thing. And they're bouncy and bouncy and fun, 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 fun. 
So uh, who else Absolutely. is in that? Uh, who else is in that league? What other? Uh, what names are in that league? Uh, I'm not sure who's in my division because that's one of the bad things about uh, doing the fantasy football drafts blind. The accessibility of a lot of these websites is terrible, so I can't really see who else is in the league. I could I can't even tell what draft pick I was and stuff until it came up to my pick and it sent me a text saying, you know, you're next on the board. And then I found out I had the fourth draft pick and stuff. So I can, a lot of the websites are very unaccessible. That's why I have to pick and choose what leagues I'm in because like Yahoo, I can do Yahoo and I can do CBS because those are very accessible, but ESPN is not. So I can't do any leagues on ESPN because well, I can do the draft on ESPN, but after that, the league itself is not accessible for making roster moves or trades or anything like that. Uh, fan tracks, I've just started doing a little bit, and that's not really that accessible either. Uh, MFL is actually pretty good, but I still can't see where my draft kick and stuff like that is. How do you know who's available when it's your turn to pick? Well, they still have the – there's the list of players underneath when you do it on your phone, just like in the draft room. You know, you have the queue and you have the – it'll say queue and draft, and I'll have the list of players who are still available, and I can scroll through the list and, and see who's available. And the software reads who's available. Yeah, on my phone. I have an iPhone, so I use the – I turn the voiceover on, and when I touch the screen, it reads to me whatever I'm touching. Okay, that's pretty cool. I want to want to do something. Lovable animals? Let's see. Yep. I'm going to tell you who's in your damn league. <laughs> All right. You're in with a guy named Jeff Haverlack from uh, Dynasty League Football, Dave Kitchen, Soccer Dave from Fantasy Indecisors, Jason Shandel of Number Fire, Aaron Solomon of Roto World, um, Football Guys, Devin Knotts, Fan Kevin Williamson. So uh, those are some of the people that are in the league with you. Let me take a look at your team. Yeah. All right. So uh, you got Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes. Tyrod. I've got Tyrod. I'm, I'm not too happy about that at this point. Uh, yeah, running backs, you got uh, Anderson, Crowell, Lacey, Sproles, Stewart, Turbin, and Kerwin. Wide receiver, Garcon, yep. A.J. Green, Cooper Cup. There's a good late pick. Jordan Matthews, Ardarius Stewart, Terrell Williams, one of my favorite guys. Uh, Gronk, uh, Gresham, Fedorowicz, a pretty good team you got there. Yeah, and I took Tyrell Williams, I think, because uh, the uh, Mike Williams injury happened, you know, right when we were doing the Scott Fish Bowl, and I think I – took uh, Tyrell Williams the day before it came out that Mike Williams is probably going to miss the year. That's uh, that's good timing. I think I've got him too. Hold on. Now I got to look. The wonderful thing about Tiggers. Tiggers are wonderful things. Okay. Nope. I don't have Tyrell in that one. I've got, uh, I don't have either of the guys I normally get, which are Richard and Tyrell. I got Mike Wallace. I have Sam Bradford as well. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Uh, I'm I got use him in Week One against the Saints. <laughs> I got Breeze, Tyrod, K 
Kessler and Kaiser. Running backs, I'm pretty proud of. I got Amir Abdul, Burkhead, Forte, Fournette, Kareem Hunt, and Spencer Ware. I stack cuffed the Chiefs, and that that worked out good. Um, I didn't draft a yeah, wide receiver. Did. I didn't draft a wide receiver till the tenth round, and I got Benjamin Cobb, Thielen, Wallace, Robert Woods, and tight end I got Bennett. Hunter Henry, Jordan Reed, and Vernon Davis to back up Jordan Reed. So um, I'm thinking I got a pretty decent team for this. <clears throat> yeah, it sounds pretty good. Uh, yep. Um, all right. So uh, what, what's your hopes and dreams? You know, I don't have that many listeners to my podcast, but what what, what are some of your hopes and dreams that maybe someone in the audience would want to help you to come true? Yep. Basically, my hope and dream is to be able to get my story out there as much as possible to help anybody I can, you know, and that's, that's why, I, like I said, I think it's a blessing that I did go blind because now I do have all this story that I can share with people and help them, which I love to do anyway, is talk to people and help them as much as I can. You know, that's one thing is much as I've gone through depression and everything, I've always loved helping other people more than I've ever liked taking care of myself. And that just shows and, you know, never taking care of myself and going blind. And it's still the same way now that I am blind. You know, I still love to help others as much as I can. You know, on a selfish personal note, I've just, you know, my end goal, if you want to call it that, is to get a writing job with, you know, a paid writing job in the fantasy world, which I know is tough to get, you know, and I'm willing to put in my time and do whatever I have to do, you know, to do it for free. I you know, I don't have a lot of bills and everything right now. Luckily, and being blind, I do have, you know, a little bit of money coming in from the government. So I don't have to worry about getting paid right now. I can I can bide my time and, you know, do as much as I need to to get my name out there and get help from people. Like I've sent articles to, you know, Matt Harmon and Sigmund Bloom and every, you know, a couple other people. And they've been Cummins a lot and they've given me feedback on it and how to make it better and things like that. So. You know, I, I know I'm never going to be perfect, and I, I'm never going to be the best at it, but I just want to get feedback from everybody I can to make myself better because you never learn or you never get better if you don't, you know, gain knowledge from other people that are better than you. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a really great approach. Um, <clears throat> let's finish up with a couple questions on uh, – give me a name of a guy who was an early draft pick this year that you think is going to bust. Until – this past weekend, I would have said Brandon Cook because going at number 11, I had him down at 26, but now after the injury, I had him actually moved him back up to 11. Uh, I think there's a good chance that even though I love him being from Philly, I, LaShawn McCoy might, even though I still have him, I had him as my third running back. Now I have him down at five or six, but with, you know, getting rid of everybody they got rid of, and I honestly don't think he's going to be there at the end of the year. I think he's going to be traded during the year, so it depends on where he goes. He's going to, I think he's going to disappoint as a first-round draft pick. Yeah, I uh, when they traded Watkins, uh, I I said uh, I was I did something with Roto Doc and Matt Friedman and Anthony Amixta. We did a quick uh, video show and I said that I thought that you know it's going to affect McCoy as well and um, I, I, I'm not seeing in preseason and you know preseason is an odd thing but I'm not seeing the types of holes 
that I saw last year out of that offensive line. And if they can't pass the ball and they don't have a deep threat, um, yeah, I think McCoy could be could be someone who's in trouble. Um, late round pick. Give us a, a late round sleeper that uh, that you've been pretty high on uh, during the off season. Uh, actually, it's an easy one. I love Cooper Cup. I have him actually one of my bold predictions in the article that's going to be coming out soon on the Fantasy Hot Read website is that Cooper Cup is going to get more fantasy points than Amari Cooper this year. I think he can he could definitely get to over 100 receptions. I know he's going to be the slot receiver, which is why I think he can get to that 100 reception mark. He could end up with five or six, maybe seven touchdowns. You know, I think Jared Goff is going to take a step forward. He has to based on last year. And with Sammy Watkins being able to draw the defense deep, they're not going to be able to stack the box as much. So it's going to be good for the slot receiver as well as Todd Gurley should have a bounce back year, not to his rookie year, but he should do a lot better than he did last year. But I, I love Cooper Cup this year. I think he could possibly be the rookie of the year. That is a pretty hot take. Uh, Cooper Cup over Amari Cooper. Um, I thought <coughs> Cup looked really good in the preseason. Um, I'll take Cooper over Cup. <coughs> but, uh, oh, see what I just did there? Absolutely. <laughs> Cooper over Cup. Cup over Amari Cooper Cup. Amari Cooper Cup. Well, I had a stupid joke uh, the other day. It was name a bad wide receiver in a good movie. And it was mm-hmm. uh, Tavon Austin Powers. <laughs> there you go. He's definitely a bad receiver. <laughs> I like that movie. He's, that a good movie gadget. He's a good gadget guy, but <laughs> that's about it. Well, um, I, I really enjoyed having you on. Uh, maybe we could do it again sometime. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, I'm going to lead us out with a song, as I always do. Uh, do you like a foot, an old football song? Do you like uh, a song? You know, what, 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 maybe I have something that you like. I, I like everything like? from I like everything from Mozart to Bob Seger to Kid Rock to Eminem to Metallica. So you know, if you play it, I'll probably like it. All right. Well, I uh, I don't have too much of that uh, kind of stuff, but. Um, do you like the chili peppers? Absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll lead out with scar tissue. Um, you know, and that, that kind of reminds me a little bit of your situation, but the thing about scar tissue is it reminds you of who you are, but it, it's healed enough so that you can have a productive life. And that's what it sounds like you're doing. So I'm going to lead out with scar tissue. Thanks for being on the Run to Daylight podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah. Okay.